Hi everyone and welcome to the penultimate episode of series one of the Dorset Growth Hub podcast. We are on episode 16 and today we're speaking to Cass Payton, the founder and CEO of OnBuy.com. Cass's background in e-commerce has enabled him to grow OnBuy into the world's fastest growing marketplace in just four years and this year alone he's grown from 15 employees to over 50. Nick chats to Cass in this episode about how he has grown the business and the challenges he has faced along the way. We have launched this series publicly on the back of the great success of our audio conference Beyond 2020. All the episodes are now live and we hope our great guests can inspire and motivate you to adapt and pivot in your business. If you're looking for more support for your business, head to our website dorsetgrowthhub.co.uk where you can get in touch, check out our upcoming events and even apply for a grant to help your business grow. We really appreciate your support for the podcast. So if you enjoy the episode, please do go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. But over to Nick. So we're talking to you about future thinking. And just to start it off, really, I wanted to very quickly give us a quick resume of who who you are really how how do you come to be here and how did you get to be in this position really yeah sure i'm cass payton the ceo and founder of onbuy.com set up onbuy in 2014 and we started developing the platform in 2014 by november 16 we launched so we are very much in our infancy in terms of scale and on november the 7th we'll celebrate our fourth year and we're currently, you know, we've grown tremendously during that time. My background as an e-commerce consultant, I used to go into companies and try and find ways to improve them. Did that for hundreds of companies globally, not just in the UK. And then essentially saw a gap in the market for a, a fairer platform than what was out there and decided to take that forward. Took the uh, plunge into, into setting up our own platform and at great costs, both there uh, financially and physically. But, you know, ultimately, we've grown the fastest uh, marketplace the world's seen to date. And um, we currently manage 5,000 retailers, 25 million products. And we're about to launch into 140 countries. Yeah. So how, how did it come? the idea come to you that you could actually take on the big boys, the Amazons of this world? I mean, must have been a bit of a scary thought or did you not have any fear about it at all? I just feel that sometimes, you know, the, the market needs something different. We saw something different. And when you think about what companies were in the 90s to what companies are now in 2020, there's massive differences. You just look at the roots of the way companies worked and, and how society worked in, in the 90s is very different to how things are now. You know, and, and some of that really carries forward with some of these big companies, the way they shout things in, in secrecy, the way that they hold data and use it, the way that they operate. You know, it's very it leaves for us a huge opportunity because ultimately in 2020, you know, everybody's seeking transparency, fairness, moral and ethical values. And we felt that by launching a platform that was fair to retailers, didn't compete or try to take or harvest information from retailers to use against them, we could launch something different. And if we got that side of the equation right, then basically working with buyers, you know, buyers can then have a choice of who to buy from. And why wouldn't they choose the more ethical you know, business. So that was the the founding sort of principles. And then it grew from there into a strong set of business USPs. And no, we've never, never looked back. I mean, if you look at our growth rate, our first year versus this year, we've grown 24,000% in that period. And we're on our third consecutive year of 650% growth. So it's a really, uh, really exciting time. 
So you're delivering benefits to the to the sellers and to the to clients. So what's what's the benefit for someone to come on to on buy instead of going to Amazon? What what what's the USP there for them? Yeah, well, ultimately, by by being fair with with retailers, the selling fees and the way that we manage retailers means that you know we get to pass savings onto consumers. We potentially get to pass more offers onto consumers because we are working with retailers who are scared to put their products on some of these big platforms. I mean, you only have to do a quick Google search and see that companies like Nike have been pulling listings off Amazon through fear of the way that Amazon manages their data. So ultimately, with, with large companies starting to do this, it means less choice for the consumer because you know, they're not finding some of the things that they want. So there's a price point, there's a, there's a, you know, a reach and, and choice point, and ultimately, there's those ethical and, and moral foundings that we still ultimately believe are the core principle for our business from the start. So, of course, having developed the model and you've got the you've got the products and you've got the clients and you're giving everyone good value for money, how do you attract more clients, more people to your website? What's the what's the plan to get that increased? Well, the, again, it's always a two way street. You've got to think marketplace is actually one of the hardest businesses to launch because when you open your doors on day one and say, "Hey, we're ready, we're open for business," well, you can't have any shoppers come on because you've got nothing to sell. And you can't have any sellers come on because they're saying, well, you don't have any buyers. So effectively, unlike every other type of business where you're trying to you know, solve one side of the equation, we have to solve both sides of the equation. So unlike an e-commerce business where you're effectively going and buying some stock to try and sell, and there may be some price point factors of scale and not being able to buy you know, sufficient quantities of product to actually sell them at a reasonable price and all of those kind of things, they can be shortcutted through an investment in in price and you can grow your business quite aggressively to buy market share. But in a marketplace world, very tricky to do that when you have nothing to sell. And since one of our core business USPs was that we won't compete with our retailers, we don't sell any products. It's only the products of our retailers that are listed on OnBuy. It means that it's a very difficult equation to solve. So when you do solve that part of the equation with a few sellers that start to take a, a bit of a, you know, let's say a punt in the early days and think, well, let's take a gamble in terms of listing with OnBuy. And then lo and behold, you fast forward four years and you've got 5,000 retailers and you're onboarding 450 retailers a month. With that comes significant choice. I mention this because the idea of growing to the consumers, first of all, takes was resolving and solving inventory gaps. Because as you can imagine, across 17 major departments, 6,600 categories of product where pretty much any one of those categories could be their own independent e-commerce site, there's bound to be gaps in, in inventory. So the fastest route for us to scale is to, is to secure more retailers, get more products, get more special offers and prices. Because with that and charged with that, with those listings, we can really charge our marketing forward to drive more consumers. And what happens on OnBuy is we go through a phased approach where in the infancy of the business, we know, let's, for example, use toys as an example. We know we've got some good uh, bikes. So in the infancy of the business, we could market the bikes and say, come and buy this particular model bike is what we call granular marketing. And then the more bikes we get, the more choice we get, we might get to the point where we can start saying, come and choose children's bikes from OnBuy. And then as we keep growing, then all of a sudden, it's just come and come bikes from OnBuy. And then before you know it, you're saying sports and outdoors or toys or whatever from OnBuy. And then you get that one step further and you can say, do you know what? When you're shopping online, just come to OnBuy. 
And we're probably 70, 60, 70% down this funnel where we're not ready to start shouting, hey, come and shop on OnBuy. We're being still a bit granular and we're getting a bit more broad as we grow down this funnel. But the, the business is clearly able to create further and further or wider marketing with each step of this phased approach that we move towards until we can shout, just come and shop on OnBuy because we've got everything. So, you know, we're, we're by far not out of options in terms of reaching consumers yet. So you understand you've got a, a big deal with ITV. I wonder how that plays into your strategy. Yeah, ITV was a, an interesting one. Where we, it's it's certainly towards the the latter end of that funnel, and it's and it's sort of it's a pinnacle moment for us where we've dabbled with TV before, just as a test bed to prove product viability, and it was really successful. But it was very much in the infancy of the business, and now that we have so many products and retailers, we're in a position now to start really widening that funnel. So the idea this year to go into ITV is to introduce forty four million people to on buy as a brand to on buy as a as a viable you know platform that they can shop securely and safely with and start building that consumer knowledge about our brand and the trust around our brand so that is extremely premium marketing that will be running in top spots i saw the spots this morning and i know i i've only seen the first week but you know emmerdale coronation street there's some big some big plays there to get on by as a, as a credible household name. And it's not the only thing we're doing. We're doing lots of other things too. So it's a very exciting time. I just wonder how the whole COVID since March has affected on by as, as a business. Has it increased your growth? Has it changed the way you're working? There was, I mean, COVID was a really interesting one. I mean, first of all, we, we hit the year running at six times, which is where we've always been. But when we got to March, we, we initially saw a dip because we lost a large number of retailers, retailers in Italy, retailers in China, retailers in the UK that initially didn't know what to do, whether to close, where to play. And what I would say is the, the surge in consumer demand for certain products certainly helped on by to create some enormous traction in March and April. And we did eventually see a significant boom where we shot from six times growth to nearly 10, well, nearly 11 times growth. In, in May. But what I would say is that that's been falling off. And But luckily for us, our natural growth has really been fighting back and we've been able to come out of COVID in quite a strong position. We've been able to really introduce a large number of consumers to our brand through that COVID period who are now quite content, comfortable to return to the brand and buy more stuff. So, you know, once you've had a successful experience and you know that you've got a, a platform once you've registered and, and you have that trust with the platform and you can come back and it's familiar, we you know we're an easy platform to buy from again because you can buy from any retailer without having to register again. So, you know, marketplace products do have their long-term value in terms of being able to work with consumers. So we've come out of COVID pretty strong. We're back to 6.5 times growth now. So I'd say the rush of the initial peak of COVID has really fallen away, but now we, we're really back on track in terms of position. And, you know, we grew a business from a relatively modest investment of sort of £500,000 in the first infancy. And we're already, you know, seeing numbers in, in the region of £120 million in, in sales. So the, the business is climbing very, very aggressively. So how do you see, I mean, I don't know what you consider your competitors to be, but how do you see this sector of the market in terms of is this the end of the high street? Is there some sort of synergy between your platforms and the high street? How, how do you see that moving as we get into the, the 2021? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When, when you mention high street, depends what you call high street. I mean, 
fundamentally, even if you go back, every business, every market demographic, it, it shifts, things shift. The world has turned into a convenience platform. You know, everybody is keen to just get what they need and they don't really want to have to take lots of time to go and get it. But that's not in all cases. You know, the high street will survive, but it will survive in evolved form. There's some products and services that just won't last on the high street. And there's other products that really will. I mean, you know, you look at the clothing market, there's been huge advances in the clothing market. It's been challenged specifically on margin and returns and everything. So the costs there are enormous. And, you know, we've watched the high street really, uh, really closely. But when you talk about premium products or you talk about, you know, certain, certain things, you know, you'll see the high street changing. I certainly see in my local town, the high streets evolving from stores to more patisseries and, and cafes and different types of bars and cuisine. But you're also still managing to keep certain retail premium, you know, weddings. There's, there's certain things that will do well on the high street, but it's certainly a shift. I, I've done research pieces for Umbai to look at, you know, high quality top end brands and seeing would somebody really pay £7,000 for a handbag on the internet? Yes, they do. But if somebody's going to go and pay £7,000 for a handbag, they probably want to feel it and, and get a feel for the product, its quality, its design. The last thing they want to do is really get it and then worry about returning it and putting a high value item in the post. But I'm not saying that won't happen eventually. I just think some markets are a little bit more resistant. But obviously, COVID has come in and just changed a lot. It's really expedited like a catalyst what might have happened over 10 years into a period of three months because now you know the, the the stores that would have suffered have really suffered and on top of that even ones that may not have suffered have really suffered as well and this has really changed consumer habit and, and and consumer confidence because who wants to pack into a into a little shop together at the moment given all of these risks of of covid so you know it's certainly an uncertain world i mean even popping down to your local supermarket at the moment isn't a particularly enjoyable experience wearing face masks and being conscious of what everybody else has touched. So, you know, that that definitely carries into all sectors of high street retail. So looking forward, how and you've had a successful COVID and your business is growing and developing. Is there any are there any sort of pieces of advice that you can give people about looking forward and making differences to their own businesses? Because a lot of people are looking for ways of changing and adapting to the new marketplace any words of wisdom from you because you've you've been there and you've really done it taken on the big boys and and succeeded yeah i mean don't go so far as to say succeeded just yet we certainly see us at the start of a journey here but uh, thank you and and you know we, we we're trying our best to to continue this rate of growth i mean the biggest thing for me with any business is you've just got to remain agile agility is something that we put into the core value of our business uh, and everything that we do you know one of the biggest things one of the one of the biggest takeaways from working with large corporates and huge government institutions is that lack of agility you know the corporate regime that really slows things down is dangerous because in this world you need to be able to make the right decisions but quickly and take a, an 80 20 view on on things if if there's any uncertainty because otherwise you're just going to get left behind. And I think in our business, you know, we try to respond very quickly to opportunities. And as you get bigger, I mean, we've grown from 14 people in January to 51 people in September. Half of those I haven't even met yet because of COVID and whatnot. 
So, you know, that, that ability to remain agile and allow your business to thrive despite, you know, changing situations and, and, and the, the, the whole landscape of the, the world changing in an instant, really, over a very short period. Uh, is is the reason why many businesses will survive. I've seen high street retailers who have who've been completely against going into e-commerce, jumping into e-commerce because that's what they have to do to survive. And then I've also seen high street retailers who have taken no action and just thought, well, you know, we'll wait this out and we'll see where it goes. And they've, you know, furloughed and, and, and waited as long as, as they can. Y- if you would say which one's taken the right choice, I mean, it's, it's probably too early to say, but my gut feeling would be that that agility that people have taken to really jump and diversify into new things has really hopefully created more resilience. So if High Street comes back, they've got two operations to survive their business, both the High Street platform and e-commerce. So it makes complete sense. You see the same across bars and, and cafes. You know, I was driving past the bar the other day. I won't say where, but somewhere in Ashley Cross. And they've taken some significant steps to try and change their business to be able to boom as a as a service, you know, they've turned that outdoor seating area into a, a more comfy area for winter. They've tried to take care of, you know, everything they can possibly do to maximize this time. And I think that that's that's a way of thinking. You, if you can't diversify and be agile, then it's very tricky to really survive when when there's an ever changing landscape. OK, so just uh, on, a, on a personal question, how your business has grown rapidly as a as a business owner. How have you physically coped or how do you personally cope with the rapid growth uh, and, and the amazing amount of information that's coming into you? How, is that a big struggle or do you take it in your stride? No, I mean, uh, no one can take this kind of growth. And I, I don't believe if anyone says they can take it without any pain, then they're, they're completely lying to you. You know, the, the rapid growth comes rapid change. Change is, is extremely unnatural to humans when it's constant and uh you know, there's going to be the, the net result, which which is stress. But fundamentally, you know, one of the things that you, you learn to do as things just get busier is really compartmentalize the, the what needs to be done and, and try and prioritize things in terms of where should my energy go? There are only 24 hours in a day. Some of that needs to be sleep. Some of that you do need to eat. You know, do remember to wash. That leaves you with probably, you know, 14 hours a day. So where do you go from there? And what can you squeeze into that 14 hours a day? And how do you still manage to remain sane? So it's a really interesting uh, experience to grow like we're growing, but we're getting used to it. You know, this we, we've just announced today another 22 jobs for the company. So we're, we're you know, certainly no signs of slowing on that front and just trying to put the energy in the right places at the right time. And, you know, one of the keys for success, which it's really hard to understand until your business starts growing is um, to get the right people to be able to take some of that burden. The people that you can really rely on so that you can pass some of these tasks and not have to micromanage the growth. Without that, without the right key people, you know, I don't think growth would be possible. And that's why OnBuy is, is very much a team effort. Yes, I'm ultimately the one pushing and, 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 and fighting for things to get done as quickly as possible. But I'm not alone in that fight. There's a, there's a, there's a subordinate team of, uh, you know, key people. So I wonder, just sort of, just to close, I wonder what you reckon your three top tips would be for going forward for a lot of businesses struggling, 
how do you think they ought to cope with 2021? Sort of three top tips from you as to how they could make the best of the situation. I mean, obviously, it comes back to what I touched on a second ago, agility and, and, and being dynamic and trying to find new outlets, new opportunities, try and make the most you can out of the situation we're in, because ultimately it's completely uncertain. So that would be my first major tip. Secondly, I mean, I guess you need to basically give yourself a bit of a break in terms of, you know, looking at this as a, as a, as a failing or difficult time, because ultimately this is something far out of your control. And all you can really do is try to make the best out of a bad situation. One of the things I learned when I when I was in my infancy of business is really knowing when to sort of cut the losses and walk away. If if you are in a an extremely desperate situation, you know how long do you ride that out for? And that points me back to point one, which is you know trying to maximize the situation, but always keep your head you know in 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 the game is knowing when is the dangerous time when when is financially you know family or whatever at risk and that's that's a really important thing that i think all entrepreneurs need to remember and balance is making sure that the personal life is is not going to struggle if things did go south so that, that i think that's key and you know if you're an e-commerce retailer you could be an e-commerce retailer then point three of mine why don't you come and work with OnBuy? we can help you sell your products you know Gives, gives you another outlet because ultimately you've got to remember every single pound that moves through our platform is a pound for our retailers. We do not sell our own products. So we're here to support e-commerce, you know, through and through. So, right. I'd just like to say thank you very much indeed for that. We look forward to listening to the podcast and then having the debate on future thinking. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. The whole series is now live, so please do go have a listen. If you want to hear more from Cass, he features on the Q&A panel in the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to be the first to hear when new episodes are out.